he and, and he takes his wife and his five kids with him. So you know he is a man of great patience and uh, great faith. And yes, and um, he was here, was it last year? On a Wednesday night, so many of you didn't get to hear him, uh, but he comes today to just to share what God's put on his heart. We had a wonderful night last night. He prophesied over everybody that was here, and we got home at 9.30 last night. So it was, it was really wonderful, and people got so much encouragement. So uh, without further ado, would you guys welcome Darren Canning. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I actually preach into the water bottle and, and, and try to drink the mic. Well, it's great to be here today. I love that you had the emphasis on missions here today because I really look at myself as a missionary who brings encouragement. That's the, the gift that we operate in is the, the gift of encouragement. And our heart is to see the body encouraged. Amen. And, and, you know, one of the things that I live for is to release, as a prophetic person, we release encouragement and destiny. And so when I look into somebody's heart, I want to see who God wants them to be and release that into them and then release hope. And so we do that throughout the nations. And uh, to me, this is another nation. You know what I mean? This is not my nation. Uh, and it's an honor to, to have such a ministry in, in America. We... We actually have favor in, in many, many, I think I've preached in 10 or 12 states at this point, and the doors keep opening for us in the U.S. So twice a year we try to come down uh, down the south in the wintertime. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> whenever, the door, whenever it goes, we, we, we get down here at least three months a year we spend in the United States, and uh, it's a great country, a beautiful country. Uh, it's almost as nice as Canada. <laughs> a lot of people wonder why we live in Canada, and that says to me you haven't been there because it's a gorgeous nation. The mountains and the, uh, the, the seas and even the Great Lakes, if you've never... Who's been to the Great Lakes? And you know, Niagara Falls, you know what I'm talking about. It's spectacular, but uh, when you're here in the U.S., I've stood at the Grand Canyon, you know what I mean? Who's been to the Grand Canyon? You know, and, and you know what I mean? It's just breathtakingly beautiful. And uh, this year, finally, I had a vision of Florida in revival about five years ago, and we spent two and a half weeks there this year, and Florida was beautiful. It was my first time there. Most Canadians, if they go anywhere in the U.S., it's Florida. That's true. That, we, they call them snowbirds there. And, uh, but that was my first time there, and we saw a great revival in Florida. We, see, we actually got there the day after, the very next day after Hurricane Matthew. I was supposed to preach there on the Friday, but uh, we actually got in there on the Saturday. So uh, we saw God move tremendously and bring unity into the church. One of the things I want to release in the atmosphere is if you and a prophetic person shouldn't be bringing disunity into the ranks. You know what I mean? It's a sign to me when disunity begins to happen after a minister has been there that that person has some problems. And uh, I just want you to know that. And so if God brings people into your midst, and, and, and what you should see is unity. And if they're of the Spirit, they should be creating uh, uh, 
creating the unity atmosphere. And they do that by just speaking encouragement over everybody and not speaking division. There's power, the word says, of life and death in a tongue. That's Proverbs 18.21. And those who love it will eat the fruit of it. And so you really, as a church, you know, you don't always get along. Is that right? You don't always like each other. Sometimes that's really hard. But really, you need to be, even in the moment when you don't like each other, you really should be seeking God for a positive message for even your so-called enemies. And you know, your enemies usually are the ones closest to you. Your family can be your enemies. You know what I mean? Your closest friends can turn on you. And that'll happen to everyone. But really, we should be seeking, because a lot of people will will do difficult things to you. And how many of you have been there where you've even been betrayed by, by people close? One person. Thank you, Lord. I don't believe that. <laughs> you know what I mean? One of the things that if you really want to grow closer to the Lord, you've got to be transparent. Because only by being transparent and confessing what you go through will God have the power to break that from your life. If you hide behind fear, and you all have fears, okay? But if you're afraid to confess something out loud, that will hold you for 30 years. It'll be like iron bars that you can only see through. The way out of your traps and out of your fears is to confess your sins one to another or confess the fears that you have. You know what? I'm afraid of the dark. I'm 44 years old, and I've still got to sleep with the light on. Can be your actual... Um, flight to freedom, going to somebody, can you pray for me? I really struggle. And, you know, a lot of times us ministers, we can try to put a face on that we don't go through anything. But that's not true. We're in the same boat. We, we you know what I mean? The, we, we have to be honest. I struggle in many ways. But, you know, when she introduced me as a man of great patience, I tell you, if you talk to my wife, she might have some other ideas on that. Especially my kids were in the, on the road with five children, ages eight to two, and that's not always easy. That can be that can be a source of great trial, uh, especially when they all holler at one time. You know what I mean? You're going down the road and you're on like a sixteen lane highway, and this is the moment that they decide that they're all going to scream at once, and you're trying to get into the lane to get to the next freeway. It's like be quiet, please. God, this is my life. Whew. <laughs> we spent 25 weeks this year on the road. They haven't gone to all 16 nations with me, but they've come to America and Australia with me. We spent nine weeks in Australia. My passion is missions, um, and really uh, the First Nations cultures of the earth. I, I tend to often be uh, among the First Nations, and really in Australia... I was very blessed to be among the First Nations in that nation and see God move tremendously in their lives, breaking the power of witchcraft and, and, and old religions off their life because that keeps people bound, right? You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean by that? Maybe you don't. But I, I tell you what, if you haven't seen that, if you haven't seen the power of a, a different religion and what it has on people's lives, it can be very deadly. I, I saw among the First Nations in one part of Australia where 
they can barely stand up underneath the weight of the pain that they endure. And most of them had to sit in chairs uh, and couldn't even stand up because the power of the enemy is so strong upon their lives. But we saw breakthrough in their lives. You see, what happens when a prophetic word begins to enter into your heart and you know that that's from the Lord, it has the power to establish you in a new way. Uh, I stand here today, you saw the, the thing that said Darren Cannon, the Damascus Road experience. Really, that's what happened in my life. I was an atheist. I grew up in the church. I grew up, but my parents split up when I was real young. My dad struggled with his things, uh, you know, uh, really alcohol and drugs. And my mom, uh, there was just a lot of difficulties in their marriage, and they broke up when I was six years old. After that, I was in and out of church. But uh, the end of the when I went into the church, it was so much peace. I always felt the peace of Jesus when my grandparents dragged me off to church. I didn't usually stay there for long, but I was in church three or four times a year. You know what I mean? When I was between the ages of six and fifteen. But when I was fifteen, God began to really speak to my life, and I I had an encounter with Him, and I actually spent the next six years pursuing him and led many people to Jesus in that time from six from 15 to 21 I saw revivals break out in the cities that I ministered in where hundreds were touched by the power of Jesus we saw kids coming out of uh, prisons and and really some of them are still in the church to this day and many of the kids that I minister to are ministers today and still some of them are actually planting churches of their own so we had a great impact but the enemy came against me and really because I was not strong in the faith and that uh, really I struggled with anger I struggled with a lot of uh, tension in my own heart depression uh, fear I even uh, you know what I mean I went through a lot of that and really when the enemy came in through uh, and brought division into our church I was thrown out of the church and then I got very angry and became an atheist for the next nine years. Uh, during that time, I did two degrees. Uh, one was in philosophy and political science. And when I studied philosophy, at one point I made a vow that if I was really going to understand philosophy, I had to stop believing in God. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit really just depart for a moment. It was like he left. The feeling of his presence left me, and I was underneath the spirit of unbelief. And that unbelief was so strong that even when I tried to go into a church, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't even, I tried to believe, but I couldn't for a long time. And really in that time, all the blessings that were upon my life began to feel like lifting off and the curses came strong. I ended up, uh, I got married when I was a youth pastor and that marriage fell apart during my atheist years and I was separated from my children. One year I didn't see them. And uh, it was at the end of that one year, I decided I was going to kill myself. Now, at that point, I was, had my second degree done, which was a master's in public administration, uh, for, trained to actually serve in the government in national security for the government of Canada. And I was a national security analyst during September 11th. Uh, and really, we, our impact was great. I actually had, a, I was in the higher ranks within the government because of the degree that I had, and my career path was going to go right to the top of the government. That's what they prophesied over me when I was young. 
Uh, but now I'm not even in government, but the Lord is still doing great things through our lives. Amen. We're still, we're still just doing it just in a different way. Amen. <laughs> so what happened was after one year being away from my kids, I started to get very discouraged. I was being tormented by the devil. I'm just going to say it the way it was because some of you in the room don't like to talk that way. But uh, what happens when you're in your room at night and you can't shake a tormenting thought? Anybody who has struggled with suicide, and I believe some of you in the room probably are today, you know what it's like to be underneath that. It is awful. And many of you have family members right now that are struggling with addictions and struggling with suicide, and they're, they're being called mentally ill. And really what's happening is the enemy is tormenting them and oppressing them and depressing them and trying to destroy them because he does not like uh, the image of Jesus or the image of God in their hearts, and he wants to destroy that image, and he's doing whatever he can. Even when we look at abortion, it really is an attack at the image of God in the womb. It's an attack on the Word of God because the Lord says, before I knew you, before you were even, even considered or when you were in the womb, I had a plan for your life. And that's not just for the special few. That's for every single one of you in this room that God has great destiny in store for your life. You're, you were born to live within community with other believers and to actually have great destiny within those communities. And to be special and to be loved and to be taken care of and to take care of people. A lot of people come up and they say, can you give me a word? I don't know if I'm living God's will. I said, well... I said, when I look at you, this is what I say to those who come to me like that. I said, I see a person who loves people, who takes care of them. Your God's hands extend it. You will help. You will give. Sounds like to me you're doing God's will for your life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When God speaks to you and tells you to help people and you do it, you're living God's will. A lot of people want platform, which is what I'm on here right today. And they actually want platform greater than the presence of God. But the presence of God is what gives you platform. If you and your heart are wrestling and really what you want is fame or you want notoriety, you don't understand ministry at all. Because there's a lot of guys out there right now and girls out there that really all they really want is daddy to give them recognition and they're seeking it through the lens of the camera. And God wants to heal the brokenness of your heart so that you feel accepted right where you are. If God, I mean, for me to get to this place of ministry where now we actually today, what I want you to do, uh, you guys in the room are on Facebook. I want you to go to my page. It's not Darren Cannon, <laughs> it's Darren Canine, I N G. Go to Derek Canning and, and follow me, and you'll help me to break a, uh, today I'll, I'll cross a threshold uh, with, uh, I have 5,000 friends, so you won't be able to friend me, but you can help my following to break the threshold of 4,000 today. And our ministry really every week is reaching twenty five to 30,000 people through social media, and that's what I know of. When I get published, I'm a regular contributor to what's called the Elijah List, which is a uh, prophetic website. If you don't know that one, you should follow that too. Um, when I get published on there, it goes out to a potential audience of almost now a half million people, 300,000 through their website, and they have 
almost 3,000 people following them on their Facebook page. So that gives you exposure, but I tell you why. That's not where I get my identity. My identity comes through Jesus Christ. As he speaks, listen, every single day I need to hear him say, Darren, you're fine. I'm telling you, like 10 times a day, God, am I all right? He's like, you're all right. I love you. I got a plan for you. And I'm telling you what, when you're like in a a stranger in a strange land, which is what Texas is for us, you may not believe it. I'm like, oh God, there's another white truck. How many white trucks does there need to be, right? You know? Whew. (laughs) There's another barbecue and ribs place. Literally another one. Another smokehouse. I just want to see a seafood restaurant. Thank you, Jesus. I said to Lydia yesterday, you know you're far from your country when you don't understand what they're saying and they're still speaking English. Right? You know what I mean? Like you make fun of me, but I can make fun of you too. You're fixing to do something. I'm like, fixing what? What are you fixing today? Your car? No, I'm... <laughs> and then there's all y'all. I'm like, all y'all what? Whoo! And down in Australia, it's even worse. Because down there, you need a dictionary. Because they'll start speaking. I was like, I was in the car. And, you know, somebody said to me, we need to crack a Yui. I said, pardon me? A crack of what? Like, what do you want to do? And they were like, we need to do a U-turn in the middle of the road. And I said, why didn't you say it? Instead of saying crack a U-E, I don't know what you meant. I thought you had to roll down the window after you cracked a U-E. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, guys. Speak English here. Whew. And that's in the world, English world. I mean, we don't even understand each other half the time and we're speaking really what's supposed to be the same language, but it's not. There's different forms of language even within the English language. But God is good, amen? So I was, I was 30 years old. My first marriage had fallen apart. I was into alcohol, drugs, and I became a, a womanizer at that point in my life. And that really brought a lot of darkness and a lot of pain. I was studying really witchcraft at that point in my life, and I was on the course to sorcery. And I'm telling you, the oppression to enter into that is great. And the enemy will make promises, but you can't trust one thing he says. You don't know within the enemy's kingdom, you've you got to sell yourself out in order to enter into uh, a great place for him. Are you hearing me? I was studying horoscopes, and one day I used to read four horoscopes every single day. And some of you in the room are reading horoscopes. You need to stop because the source of that is not Jesus. Uh, The source of that is the enemy. And when you come underneath words that are false like that, it brings curses upon your life. It may sound good, but it ain't good. Are you hearing me? I I remember one day I was studying my horoscopes. And I used to study. uh, There was one guy out of Chicago who I thought he was really good, you know. And one day it said, today you need to make a contact and you will get a promotion in your career. And I thought, oh, great. This is awesome. I thought, who do I know? And then I thought, oh, there was, a, there was an agency within our government that was at the center of the government. It was called the Treasury. And I, was, I knew a guy in there, and I contacted him. And sure enough, I got a position as the lead analyst for the, the, for the RCMP, which is the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And all the money that would flow into their 
organization would flow through my desk. And I would say yes or no. And I had a lot of power. But I didn't realize by following a word from the enemy, which looked like I was being blessed, I entered into one of the most difficult seasons of my life. See, the enemy will like give you a promotion, but it doesn't come for free. And I was in the middle of a corruption case in that organization, and I was becoming a pawn. Are you hearing me? Somebody they could throw the blame on. And I remember uh, I had a guy in there, the guy who I even got the job, job from, became my Judas and sold me out. And blame me for something I had no responsibility for. Didn't even know what they were talking about. And you know what happened? I went into my boss's office. And she said to me, I've been in government for 15 years. And she was a director. I've seen a lot of bad things in my career. But in order to move up, I had to close my eyes to it. Whoo! I walked out the door the very next morning. Because that was a crossroads for me. I thought, there's no way I'm going to corrupt myself uh, on the spiritual level to enter into more money in the pocket. And you can give me all the money in the world, but I don't want to corrupt my heart in order to receive it. Are you hearing me? And I didn't want all the power in the world in order to lose my soul. And I knew in that moment, because I saw the darkness of it, that I would but there was a year before that, the Lord had begun to speak to me, and I was in the middle of a suicide attempt before that, and he said to me, uh, in the middle of the attempt, what are you doing? I was hanging. I was literally hanging with a cord on my neck, and I was blacking out. I was seeing stars. It was, it was, the choke was coming on. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And it wasn't pleasant. But in the middle of that, and I was being tormented, the voices that were going through my head at that time, uh, I thought were my own. And the doctors were telling me it was my own, but it was the demons. Are you hearing me? They were surrounding me, and they were saying, go ahead and kill yourself. You're only going to enter into blackness. There's no life after death. And then I thought, okay, and I had this vision of blackness, and I thought, I can go into blackness. There's just death. I won't have any consequences for this action. I will just die. And in the middle of that attempt, when I was convinced that I would just go in the blackness, the Lord spoke to me with the cord around my neck, and he says, what are you doing? I have a plan for your life. I went, oh, my God. That might, I thought, that didn't sound like my voice, and it certainly didn't sound like the demons because it was way too compassionate. And God is loving. When he speaks, there's peace in his voice. And it was peace that I was feeling. But I convinced myself in that moment that it wasn't uh, God, but that it was my voice. And so I started trying to kill myself again. And he went, what are you doing? Same thing again. I have a plan for your life. And then I got angry because I was an angry man. (laughs) I was so angry. I get angry with anyone. I was so angry that everybody I knew was terrified of me. Even the ones that I was like, the, the, boy, the guys I work with and the women I worked with in government, who were my friends, were only there because they saw that if they were in my shadow, they would rise up through the ranks with me. And they would use me that way. It's a method, you know what I mean? Like the, 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 the wolf pack, you know what I mean? We were a wolf pack, and we were rising up together. And they were terrified of me. I hated that. 
Who wants people to be afraid of them? Nobody does. We want to be loved, and we want the love. Amen? And so the Lord spoke to me. I jumped out of the closet. I ran into my room, jumped on my bed, and started swinging my fist at heaven. And I said, God, how dare you talk to me after all these years? And then I have my Damascus Road experience, which reason why you hear me preach so much on dreams and visions is because I'm here today because the Lord gave me a dream. I was way too smart for any Christian to speak to me. This is the truth. And this is smart, my own smart. You know what I mean? This is like dumb smart, right? Okay, I'm not talking. (laughs) I was an intellectual, and I was a philosopher, and I was way too smart for any Christian to tell me there was a God because I knew better. That's the kind of smart I was, which is just dumb. Okay, you're a fool. That's the Bible calls a fool right there. Because if you look at the world around you, the evidence is pretty clear there's a creator out there and we didn't evolve. I hate to tell you guys in the room that. There may have been adaptations, but there's a creator behind everything that you see. Because I'm a mathematician and I can see math formulas in everything that I look at. And that had to be a creator who designed that. When you consider the stars, and you should, I was in the deserts of Australia this year and it's black out there. You see the Milky Way stretching from one horizon to the other horizon at night. And within the Milky Way, there's 100 million to 200 billion, or 100 billion to 200 billion stars. That's their best guess. Now, if I went to your bank account and said there's like between 1 million and 2 million in there, you'd say, well, what is it? Because I got something I want to buy. Right? But science goes, oh, there's like between 100, and that's in our neighborhood. The Milky Way is the galaxy that we are in. Now, recently, NASA had to adapt its numbers because, now, science always says it's like it knows, it knows what's going on, right? And when the te- Hubble telescope hit the space back when it was put up there, they had an estimate that there was about, uh, I think they said 200 billion galaxies out there. I think that was what they said, 200 million or 200 billion. Either way, it's not that much, okay? Because each galaxy has, if it has 100 million, uh, 100 billion to 200 billion stars times uh, 200 billion, that's the number like one uh, with 29 zeros after it. That's the stars that they said were out there, but they did the math recently because the Hubble telescope can see a little further now. And they say, well, there are actually trillions out there now. That was a recent thing. And I tell you what, there's more than that out there. Trillions of galaxies alone with hundreds of billions of stars in them. And you don't believe in a creator? And he knows them. The Bible says he knows each one by name. He created that for your amusement and joy to look up at it and just say, oh, to consider I mean, when you consider the stars, you're considering the Creator. And, you know, when I, when I hear what I just told you out loud, the, one more interesting, the, NASA, the Hubble telescope one time went to the black stop, spot between the stars. You know, like one black spot between the stars, pointed toward it and went out as far as it could go to see what was there. You know what it saw? 1,000 galaxies with 100 billion to 200 billion stars in each one in one black spot alone. And that's the God that created you, who loves you, 
He created all that. Are you hearing me? For your consideration. When you consider that, have you ever considered snow? You guys don't down here, I know. But when you look at uh, snowflakes, they will mesmerize you in their beauty. They're like rainbows falling from the sky. And when the light shines on them, they're like prisms that shine light. And the patterns within them are amazing. The Bible says, have you considered my treasury, the snow? (laughs) Some people say to me, how can you live up there in the snow? I said, have you ever seen it at night when the full moon glows through the woods and you can see two, three kilometers in and you know then there's a glory on it that God created for you and I to enjoy. Now, you might have to wear some warm clothes. Better yet, you should have a log house with a big wooden fireplace and look at it through the window. But it's glorious. Are you hearing me? It's, it's glorious. Even the furthest reaches, I've lived pretty far north in my life where uh, you'd only get three hours day during the, the day. I'd go to school in the dark and I'd come home in the dark when I was a boy. And I, in that season of my life, saw the northern lights more than I can tell you. They would dance upon the sky in every color you can imagine. I've seen them green, red, white, yellow. You know what I mean? Dancing on the sky. And people pay good money to go see that in Norway. <laughs> Whew, are you hearing me? God's creation. And then you come down here and you see the cactuses. And you guys, are that's normal for you all. You know what I mean? Little cactuses building up against the fences and all the dry-looking land, and yet life is blooming out of it. And then I drive through here right now, and I'm going, this don't look dry at all. There's green everywhere. And then you see the fields filled with cotton, and it looks like a snow-covered field. It does. When the snow is like uh, melting, you see the sticks coming up out of it like you see here now. I said, I said, the boy, look, there's snow out there. They went, what? <laughs> we don't get to see that. And God's creation, if you would go around the earth, there's so many different places. And I've got to be in, like he said, 16 nations. But there are nations within nations. <laughs> in Australia, they have carved out, the white people carved out uh, six or seven states, okay, including Tasmania on the bottom, which is an island. And yet, when you look at the aboriginal map, there was over 200 nations within Australia before the white man came for thousands of years. And we, we and even in North America, have nations within nations. In my own nations, there are many nations. In the city of Toronto alone, there's 196 different people groups. <laughs> that many of them speak their own language. There are Greek people in, in, uh, in Toronto, they don't even know how to speak English, and they've been there for 20 years. Oh, there are nations in nations. And even in this room, there are different nations represented. Every church that I go into, and no matter what nation I go to, are actually a collision of nations that come together. And God is declaring over your lives that you will be a missionary church. I know that. I can feel it strong. And God will use you. But if you don't reach the nations in your community, how are you going to reach them out in the globe? I love going to the ends of the earth. I'm really like a modern-day circuit rider. I don't even know if you know that term, but the old Wesleyans and uh, the Methodists used to get on horseback and go from community to community. 
Uh, and, and that's what I am, except I get on planes, trains, and automobiles. Sometimes I'm in rooms like this, and then sometimes I'm in rooms with 10 people. Are you hearing me? It's, it's, it's just what, it's a crazy life when you get in it, but we've seen the power of God and the glory of God touch many people. In that dream that night, what happened was I saw my prophetic future, and I saw myself traveling in the Spirit, and when I say in the Spirit, dreams and visions are in the Spirit. When I have a dream, I know I'm seeing something in the spirit. When I see it in a dream, I know it will happen because what happens in the dream will take, is often taking place in my life. Whew, you see it before you see it, and that's faith, right? Abraham saw and he heard God speak over his life and said, you'll be a mighty nation, didn't he? <laughs> he never saw the evidence of that in his lifetime. Who? Uh, John Wesley was a mighty man of God. In his lifetime, he saw a mighty, mighty revivals, fields filled with people, but he didn't see the fullness of what God would do through his life, through his writings alone that have touched millions and millions. His journals, if you haven't read them, you should read those. They will strengthen you. There was a man named Smith Wigglesworth in England. I don't know if you all are familiar with him, but that guy, uh, who you were talking about, his church, he was seeing people die. And he got fed up with it. He got angry, and he broke into a healing anointing, and that's how he became who he is. So get fed up with it and begin to declare this is enough and no further. It's done, and that's what I did because I saw it in a vision, and in the vision I was flying over cities and towns, and I began to land in towns, and I began to release what looked like a shot, like a gun shot into people's lives, which I learned was the prophetic word was the healing anointing. Because when people get touched by the power of God, it's like a shot hits them and it destroys darkness out of them. And we've seen in this year alone, I have prophesied over 8,000 people one-on-one. Whew, and you want to talk about people are messed up. They'll come back to me a year later when I heard you last year. Someone will say, I didn't even like you. In fact, I thought you were a liar. I've heard people say, thank you. You still don't like me. I can feel it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't like you. I say, you sure you still don't, you know? Whew. Uh, but you, what you spoke, transformed my life. That's the power of God. That's nothing to do with a man. I'm like, I'm giving like, I feel like very general oils. I see your life. I just declare that tomorrow you shall have more than enough than you had today. God's going to take care of you. I see you've gone through some things, but I want you to know that the Lord has your life in his hands, and with long life, he will satisfy you. And I go, that sounds so general to me. You know what I mean? You're speaking that out, and you're going, that just sounds... But then the people are like... (laughs) I'm like, what in the world... I said, God, come on. What is that about? He said, you're, don't, you're, you're only like 1% of the prophetic equation. All you're doing is pulling the trigger. He said, when, they, when you speak what you speak, you don't know what's happening. Those people are going into visions in that moment, and they're seeing their past, present, and future, and they're seeing movies play out in their head. And that's what they're crying about, not what you said. I was like, oh, thank you, God. Better to stay humble. Are you hearing me? If you want to touch a lot of people, you have to stay humble. Some people, you know what happens? They rise up to a little tiny platform. 
they get maybe in the same. I mean, this room is pretty big. There's it's a good site, and you're pulling that wall out. There'll be more, but that's still not many people. I hate to tell you, if this church grew to three thousand, it wouldn't be many people. Because how many people are in America alone? I just did. I did. I asked Google a lot of questions. Say, Google, how many people are in South America? Four hundred and twenty-two million. I went what? Oh my word, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, and that's there. That's, and there's 7 billion, they say. I don't know how they know that because I don't think there's a, a census, right? Or a global census to see how many people are in the world. But they estimate between 6 billion and 7 billion people in the world, right? That's a harvest that needs to happen. And, and a lot of you are satisfied because your ministry grew to 100 people. You need to get dissatisfied. Some of you in the room. <laughs> You haven't even won one soul in your life. When God meant you to win hundreds to the Lord. One of, one of the most profound words that I can release over your life is that you'll touch a thousand lies for God. And you'll go, what? You can do that in two years if you did one a day. Go out and encourage somebody. Uh, you don't have to, you know what I mean? Some people plant the seed, some people water, and some people give the harvest, but it's the Lord uh, that gives the increase. And so if you're watering, you're touching a life. If you're planting the seed, you're touching a life. You may not see, they may spit at you. They may, they may get angry with you. It don't matter. Just pray for them. Encourage them. Look at them go, oh my goodness, I've not seen anybody like you all day. They might be as grumpy as a skunk, you know what I mean? You go, man, I, like, I just see joy all over you. See, you're going to speak the opposite spirit into their heart. I don't know how much time we got left. What, what's this, what, what are we doing? Five minutes? So in the five minutes, what I want to do is everybody to stand in the room. If I could, I would prophesy over all of you, but there's no time for that. <laughs> But what I want to do is just decree and declare some things over your life. Uh, the Father's blessing. Amen? And I just declare the Lord's face right now is shining upon your lives. And the Lord is going to bless you when you go in and when you come out. You're going to be the head and not the tail. I declare that you guys are the revival. Each one of you have a revival in your heart. And that just like God uses me, He will use you. Now, it may be different because there are different ministries and there are different, uh, there are different churches, there are different backgrounds, but each one of us has a call. Maybe you're called to, to be a healer. Maybe you're called to feed the poor. Maybe you're called to be in a soup kitchen. Maybe you're just called to give people hugs and blow kisses at them. But I declare in Jesus' name that in this season you will have effective service for the Lord. Because I'm declaring this over the church. I saw it growing in the Spirit. I said to the pastor when he stood up here first, you remind me of a church that I go to in Montreal that has 3,000 members. Whoo! So I'm declaring you will grow. Amen? But each one of you needs to be a part of that in order for it to happen. And, and you got to be God's hands extended. And I declare, you will. There's some of you in this room that are struggling right now. I can see it with depression, with anxiety, with fear, and even suicide. And there are others of you in this room that family members are in difficult circumstances. And, and that's taking your concentration. But the Lord said to me 10 years ago, you worry about the ones I put in front of you and your family is mine. 
And I declare your family is in the barn. Amen? I just declare right now your prodigals are coming home because the promises is in the Word of God. Isaiah 59 says, The word that I put in your mouth won't depart from your children's mouth or your children's children's mouth. And I declare that over you right now. Some of you are worried your children are not going to make it. They're not just going to make it. They're going to be wild for the Lord. I just declare that now over this town that there's coming. That not just this place will be full, but many places will be full. And churches will be planted because the harvest is plentiful. And I even declare the laborers in this town won't be few. You're going to have a lot of laborers in this region. I declare a prophetic anointing upon you. I declare a healing anointing upon you. A deliverance anointing upon you. I declare you will walk in the revelatory gifts of the Holy Spirit. That words of wisdom and divine counsel will come for you, for people in businesses and people in power. The Lord will raise you up as Joseph's and Daniel's and Deborah's to speak to people in power so that they will know the voice of the Lord. I declare that this place in the Spirit is a shelter of the Most High and that whoever walks through these doors will encounter the great blessing of the Lord. I can see it right now. There's an anointing. I can actually see fire in the atmosphere here. And that fire is going to be touching your life. And it's the fire of blessing. When you go out from this place, don't be surprised when the checks are in the mail. Don't be surprised when you get a promotion. Don't be surprised when the vehicle you need is half price. Don't be surprised that the house you need is is like 30% less than what it should be. I remember I declared that over one place one time, and the guy's phone rang right in the moment. Boom. And it was his real estate agent, so he didn't answer it. He got it after. He said, congratulations, you just got the property. It's 40% less than what it should have been. You shouldn't have got it for that, but you got it. Within one year, he sold it and made a $30,000 profit. I declare over you guys, that will happen. Amen? Anyway, it was a blessing to be with you all. And I don't know, I'm going to pass it back to you, and uh, I hope you guys got encouraged today. I really do.